Hugo Keen is out here campaigning today for a player of the championship. What's <laughs> going on? Far from it, far from it. Uh, I think as far as I've been told uh, from the lads earlier, voting's closed, but uh, no, it, it, it'll hopefully go to either Mac or Kalen now. They've, they've both been brilliant. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby. I'm Greg O'Shea. We're here together with Bank of Ireland and I'm delighted to be back with my good mate, Lindsay Peach. You're sitting here beside me. I missed you. How are you getting on? I missed you too. I know. It's been a while. It's been a long time. We've a lot to catch up on. A lot to catch up on and your coin toss and everything. Can't wait to hear this because you started off the England match. You were a little lucky charm, I think. I did. I started off the Ireland-England game and we've loads of Grand Slam stuff to reflect on. We'll get to that. We will. And the Irish Six Nations women's has started. But we're joined by someone very special today, guys. A big time Irish actor based himself in America. He's kind of done everything there is to be done in the acting world, the film world. He's also the voice of Batman. Like, been in Grey's Anatomy, Band of Brothers, The Good Wife, recently Smother on RTE. This man has done it all. We want to give a big welcome to Mr. Jason O'Mara to the show. How are you, sir? Thanks very much. That's What a, what an intro. <laughs> That's, uh, I won't be able to get my head out of here now after that. I know, man. You've done a bit of everything. I was trying to read up on your career, and honestly, I was exhausted by the end of it. You've done Sorry a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you're also a big-time rugby fan. I am, yeah. You grew up in South Dublin. Mm-hmm. So, can we back to the rugby career before you got into the acting? Did you play rugby as a young fella? I played in school, yeah. I went to St. Michael's. And back then, it wasn't the St. Michael's we know now, but it was kind of just on the turn. And we started getting to finals for the first time. And um, so, I kind of got into it there. And I, I, I felt like it kind of, you know, I was a teenager and needed a bit of kind of discipline and stuff. And rugby gave me that. And and I uh, also really enjoy just the camaraderie of it. And um, and then I got into acting. I went to Trinity and did acting and I ran as far away from rugby as <laughs> I could. And then I went off to the States and pursued my career and stuff. And um, and I had a kid, a boy who was very rambunctious and physical and stuff. And uh, he expressed an interest playing rugby when he was about 10 or 11. And I was in Santa Monica in uh, Los Angeles and uh, started to get involved with the rugby club there, the Santa Monica Rugby Club, and he was playing and I started coaching him. And then I sort of slowly started to fall back in love with rugby again um, about like 10 years ago. That's class. So ever since then, I've just been like into it all, you know, especially the Irish stuff. And every weekend I subscribe to all the apps so I can watch it in yeah. the States, you know, up at five in the morning okay. and all that stuff. So uh, I've been getting into it. And I'm a fan of this podcast, so it's amazing to be here. Oh, I feel like brilliant. Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, you know, <laughs> seeing how the sausage gets made. Uh, Mixing metaphors there. Sorry, sausage and chocolate. But you know what I mean? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> That's a really good combo. Yeah. Typically Irish, chocolate and sausage. Chocolate sausage. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, we're delighted to have you in. And I didn't realise you were such a big fan. You were still at, you were at the Leinster game on the weekend? I was, yeah. 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 That's... A, not a great one to be at. The one, the first one they nearly lost. That's but true. But listen, like, stop your messing here, right? They didn't lose it. It was a draw. Do you know what? Don't even give him an inch because this these monster crew are just <laughs> waiting for us to slip up, and we're it's not going to so do true. it. Well, yeah. Now we'll I also have a very important question: Were you a back row forward? I was. I was front and back row. Um, Were you? Yeah. Well, I was a front row in the Jays, and then um, sort of front and back row in the S. And I eventually went on. I think we played. I lost against Rock in a quarter final, or maybe it was a semi final. I was, I was a flanker in that. Unless one. you're with Rock, you, you know, you kind of 
because they're so good you kind of like no one likes they were so good back then too they're still good I can still remember those rooks like they were the nastiest rooks I've ever been in (laughs) (laughs) well I liked you before but now that you're a forward I like you even more so welcome thank you and your son doesn't play anymore but he played a bit of football for a while didn't he American football, that is. Yeah, he did. He he did, yeah, he doesn't play rugby, but he's in he's he's probably on the edge now of like stopping with the American football. But yeah, he was a running back with his school team and uh I think he scored like, I don't know, ten touchdowns in his last season or something. Wow. He loved it. But he's in college now, he's doing film and he's getting a bit arty. Yeah. Kind of like the way I got a bit arty <laughs> myself and uh so yeah. he's taking a break from the sport. I think, he's yeah. following your path. That's oh, cool. We'll see. So lads, I want to talk to you about the Grand Slam. I presume you were watching it, Jason, or were you at it? I was watching it. Um, you know, with the way I live and work, I don't really know what I'm doing month to month. So mm. by the time I realised I was going to be here for it, it was too late to get tickets. They were like three grand or something. Oh, impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think I'll have, you know, watch it with a cup of tea with my dad. So yeah. I watched it with my dad and I realised watching it, the last time I'd watched a, a, a live, you know, Ireland Six Nations game with my dad on the telly was when Sexton you know kick the drop goal the drop goal in Paris so uh, we have a good record my dad and I so yeah I had a great crack with him it's great I wish I'd been there though and I'm jealous of you guys yeah maybe that's a little lucky charm you sitting down with your dad and we win Grand Slams so keep doing that every year (laughs) make sure you're at home for the World Cup okay sitting with your dad because we could do with that for the quarters the semis and the final (laughs) 100% yes indeed you were there no you were at the game I was. You were chatting away with CJ Stander, Donica Callahan. Donica listens to this podcast. I've yes, Donica, sweetheart, we're going to keep it short and sweet for you today because we loved your <laughs> feedback. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, so did you have a good time with those fellas messing uh, around? Do you I'm know sure. what? It's a lovely chat. Do you know, it's a lovely chat of bringing out personalities and we've been a crack about it, but it, we very much were, yeah, kind of, we had a pre match chat about where England were going to target us and how we, you know, thought we'd fare today. And obviously, CJ had lovely stories about his time in an Ireland jersey and breaking his jaw and you know playing on you're like wow do you know so and he's been on the both sides of coins a really that really big pre-world cup loss to England and Twickenham and then obviously Grand Slam so yeah he's a really good guy he'd lost uh well he tells me he lost a lot of money at Chelsea I'm not sure but then he uh <laughs> he came over and we sat beside the game and yeah I was a bit tentative at start you know giving out with the referee and kind of breakdowns and England being offside but then as soon as he started we all chirped in so we had a great day he's a lovely lovely guy The South Africans don't hold back their opinions when it comes to rugby today. No he was kind of saying that uh, you know uh, no one's getting back on the plane if the referee keeps uh, with the bad calls he was ah look he was grand we, we know um Referees and the little idiosyncrasies, so we were ready for it. You're being uh, very kind. The ref had a dodgy game, no, I'll say it for us, but he, it worked out in the end, so that doesn't matter. Yeah, and tell yeah. us about your coin toss. So I was lucky enough to actually do the coin toss for Guinness inviting me down to do the coin toss. And now, look, it's a big honour to do it, but a four-year-old could have done it. <laughs> so what happens is you, you get... Uh, you get brought down into the tunnel yep. and uh, you put on your, your Guinness jacket and they hand you the coin and all you do is then walk two metres and hand the coin to the ref. <laughs> and you get your photo. So I got a photo with Owen Farrell and Johnny Sexton. But I met Owen Farrell previously in an airport. So he kind of looked at me and was like, like, what are you doing here? You know what I mean? And then Johnny Sexton came out as well and he just laughed. He was like, what? Like, honestly, what are you doing yeah. here? Because like, I'm just, you know what I mean? I think... Oh, not that I'm on their level, but like they know me from of around course, the place. Of course, you're an they'd expect, they'd expect like a mascot to be there and it's just me smiling away. So <laughs> uh, I got to keep the, the coin then. Jacob Piper gave it to me afterwards. So I have the coin here. Nice. Um, obviously the podcast listeners can't see it, but the YouTubers can see it. Yeah. There's a coin there and on the back it says um, Ireland versus England 2023. So it's pretty cool to have the Grand Slam uh, 
coined, you know what I mean? But I tried to give it to Johnny Sexton. I messaged him and I was like, do you want to keep it? for? It's obviously a big yeah. day for him last time playing in mm. Viva Stadium, Grand Slam win, captain, the whole lot. And he said, oh, he already has his own medal from winning it. So he, he said, I can keep it, which is very nice. Ah, oh, that's very cool. Nice. That's lovely. Yeah, so and fair nice. play to you for offering that. That's yeah. lovely. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of a bigger moment for him, and I don't, I don't need it. It's cool to have it, but it, um, I thought one of his sons might want it, but he actually has the winning medal, so he doesn't need that coin. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably being nice about it, but then you're like, oh yeah, you do have a medal. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 true, exactly. But um, to actually talk about the the <clears throat> game itself, you were saying it before, Jason. That what really stands out about that win is that we didn't actually play that well, and for to win a Grand Slam and beat England not playing well is a sign of a really good team, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, remember when like. The All Blacks were as great as they were just only like four or five years ago. And for years before that, they could get a result even if they play badly. And you'd hear it in the comms going, oh, this is not the usual All Blacks, blah, blah, blah. But they would always get the result, especially against us. Like, you know, that one in, in Lansdowne Road where we were winning right until the last you know yeah. minute and then we just get pipped at the post and they just managed to get the result. But So I'm kind of hoping we're heading in that direction, that... Even on an off day, we can still get the result because we have systems we can rely on. There's a certain amount of physicality we can rely on. We can rely on our set piece, you know, rain, hail or shine. We can rely on our um, on our defense and our physicality and our organization. And, and I think if we can do that, we can take on any comers. And even if we have a bad day, we can still uh, we can still hope for a result. And that's. Mm. I think that's the kind of approach that wins championships. And of course, we want the days where we score 50 points and, you know, but that's, I think when it comes to playoff um, rugby, like you just need to get the result no matter what. I completely agree with you. Would you agree with that, Lindsay? 100%. I actually think it was, it was infuriating, like, you know, Tyg Furlong's pullback. There was so many uncharacteristic, unforced errors. Yeah. And you're like, we kind of were trying to play the expansive rugby that we played in the previous rounds, but this was always going to be a dogfight with England. Like they were going to come trying to save their season. Um, so I think it was a really good result. It was a really good grind out win, uh, but we're still grounded going into a World Cup. So I yes. think it was a nice balance. You know, we won a championship. We're not too much ahead that the world is still going, oh, Ireland are great. I think it asks questions of us. So we're still hopefully finding a little bit under the radar. Uh, as regards that so the pressure I think has eased a little bit with that and I think we can kind of build um, but yeah I thought it was an exceptional win because like we've been there at the elite level sometimes you can't always play the expansive rugby that's like these training ground moves you just have to grind out a win and winning is a habit and it's a learning habit you know that you have to do and um, I'm interested to see your point on the Freddie Stewart red card or not yeah, uh, well, we actually have a chat with Hugo Keane and Pat was talking to him during the week and... I know you apologised, Hugo was lovely about it. Yeah, Hugo was very nice. He's like, ah, leave him off. It yeah, was kind yeah, of a rugby yeah. incident and he has like a lot of empathy for him as a, as a fellow fullback, but that's Hugo. Like, he wouldn't say a bad word about anyone. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, I thought, <coughs> I did, I kind of would edge towards what Hugo was saying is that it was just a rugby incident and Freddie, Freddie Stewart's a big man. Do you know what I mean? And he was playing well. Yeah, like Freddie Stewart was playing well. well. Mm -hmm. Like his really positioning well. for the fullback, he had really obviously done his homework. Yeah. He'd put in some big kicks himself. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he is a big man. When he ran by, I was like, it was kind of like that day. Do you remember we were looking at the Australians? I was like, oh, I would absolutely hate, I would be ankle tapping you the whole time or just like chop tackling you and, and closing my eyes, praying. And that the you mad thing about Freddie Stewart is he's only 22 years of age. Mm -hmm. Like he's still a young fella. He's still growing. Like I just, yeah. this guy's massive. And he's played, I think he's played every game for England since he started whatever it was two years ago and he's still only 20. 
2022. So he's definitely an unbelievable one for England for the, for the rest of the future and for the World Cup coming up. But I, I definitely reiterate what you're saying is that I was at the game and it got to like 60 minutes and we still hadn't pulled away yet and we we're still making uncharacteristic errors. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this time a couple of years ago, we would have lost this game now mm-hmm. at this stage. And and the fact that the boys came together and Johnny Sexton pulled the lads in and they pulled it together and they, they got their couple of tries towards the end of the game and took away um, or, or took away from England what, what England were, were doing. And, it, and a big moment, I think, was Hugo going off the pitch. And I was like, he's one of our talismans. Now. You know, we need this guy at the back run and the back three. And the fact that he went off and we still kept the game together, I think is a really, really good sign. But also nicely humbled us going into the World Cup. Because oh, we're not unbeatable. And Jack Conan coming on, like again, his try um, for Dan Sheehan, who was exceptional that day. Like again, that was the second offload, like where he took it into contact and he was able to offload. And he, he was a big impact for me off the bench. And I think he's kind of really coming to the fore and back to the confidence because he was obviously injured for a long time. Mm. at his peak so I think the depth of the squad and the choices we have and obviously we'll cover a couple of players that have come back in the URC the likes of Balakoon and Tom Stewart who are going to you know make big impacts going forward so it's a nice place to be in that there's lots of competition lots of depth and uh, lots of talented yeah. Irishmen there to hopefully get us to uh Yeah, (laughs) and we've had three nominations out of six for Grand Slam Player of the Year or Six Nations Player of the Year. We've Hugo, Mac, and And, Doris, and then there's three French lads as well. Do you think one of (laughs) three French lads? (laughs) (laughs) Them three French lads. No, the three French lads. (laughs) Do you think uh, we'll get it, Jason? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to argue with. Antoine Dupont as the best player yeah. in the world at the moment. Uh, but Ramos and uh, Damien Pinot are the other two. As right, well. and they're just, I mean, Ramos and, I mean, Pinot is just a try machine and he creates stuff out of nothing. But um, I think from just from an Irish perspective, um, if, if I'm only voting Irish, and I am, so uh, <laughs> I would probably, it's a tough one between, I think for me, just between Mac Hansen and Hugh O'Keenan, Kenan Doris is amazing in those first couple of tests. And then he kind of just faded a little bit. I think he got a bit hurt against Scotland and mm. just faded a little bit in, in the England game. Uh, off his own, by the way, his own standards, mm-hmm. not anyone else's. Like, he's still amazing. Um, but I went for Hugo because uh, I just think he's so important. You know, it's he's almost irreplaceable. Mm. You know, we have we have Jack Conan who could come in for for Doris, and we have any number of wingers who could come in for Mac. And even though Mac Hansen's incredible, he is replaceable. But I just don't see anyone on Hugo's level at fifteen. I mean, you know, Jimmy Bryan's like he's got great potential in that slot, and maybe Mac Hansen can himself can cover fifteen. But I just think Hugo's so far ahead in his position that I'd have to go for Hugo. Yeah. I'd agree with what you're saying there. What do you think, Lindsay? If you had to pick out of the three. Just because he's a devil and he's been on the show, I'm just going to go with Mac. Yeah. Because to be honest, he had no right to score that try against Van der Merwe. Like, I was like, no. oh my God, it's like a it's small pretty- child going up against a man machine. And he's just really smart and he backs himself and... He's been consistent. I think he's multi. Yeah, he's multi talented. We saw him at you know a connect at fullback, but like I'm not going to undermine the season that Hugo has had. Mm. I think it's so close, and I think it's for so long we only had Rob Carney, and for Hugo, obviously, he played with him at sevens, and the trajectory of his improvement and how integrity is the team. He he, you know, it would be a shame for him not to get it. So to be honest, once an Irish player's winner, and it is between it's it's between the two lads. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd so like to see Mac get it just for the... He just doesn't give <laughs> an absolute crap. See, I think um, it comes down to who's voting. Is it a public vote, Pat? Yeah, yeah we can yeah. public yeah. vote. See, the thing, I think it's a public vote. It, it will 
naturally come down to one of the back threes because people love the exciting back three scoring tries. Mm -hmm. Like Mac was incredible against Scotland and England and he was just so exciting every time he caught the ball. Mm -hmm. Where Doris is doing like good things that are unbelievable to rugby brains that you see him rocking, yeah. you see him carrying, you see him tackling. But that's boring to like the general public. Do you know what I mean? So, oh, 100%. So I think if the general public are voting, it's going to be one of the back trees. If it's like media and rugby heads and knowledgeable, uh, experienced rugby people, I think it might be Doris. Um, but um, I, I'm going to go with, just because he's a really good friend of mine, I'm going to go with Hugo King. Yeah, that's just, um, but Mac was incredible as well. What, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Sorry, I've got to mess everything up now. Um, so let's say, like, I don't, obviously we don't want this to happen, but let's say we're at the beginning of the pool stages um, in France and Hugo goes down and he's done something to his knee. I just you know, touch Jesus wood, it would Christ. never happen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but hold on a second. It could happen to any, no, any one of those players. And, you know, we know who's next up in almost every position, but like who's next up for mm. Hugo if that happens? It's a great question. And we need basically. to go the rest of the campaign with this player in this at 15, yeah. who would it be? I'd probably go with Jimmy. Yeah. But, but Jimmy, Jimmy the needs more game though. time at 15. Yeah. Like Ross Byrne's obviously the natural fit in for Johnny Sexton at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's just the straight up answer. Oh, it's going to be Ross Byrne. Um, but you wouldn't say, oh, definitely Jimmy O'Brien. Jimmy's an option, but there's no like, oh, a definite replacement. So it is, uh, I don't know. It depends. I think someone might step up in the next couple of months mm. in the finals of the Europeans. <laughs> that might end up playing really well. Someone like... Um, well, Jordan, Lamar, Jordan played, Lamar. He played 15 there at the weekend. He, he, he played 15. Mm -hmm. He's played there before. He could step up the next couple of months. Jimmy's obviously well able to do it, but he wouldn't be like the definite straight up option for me. I tell you who's coming good at form is Michael Lowry back at mm -hmm. Ulster. Absolutely. But um, obviously you're going to, to work up with against some hugely physical, you know, you know, the South Africans. And often when Michael Lowry gets the ball, even at URC, I'm like, dear baby Jesus, let him get through this. But actually he set up Robert Barlacoon, you know, and his Absolutely. footwork and he's really coming to the fore. So I think you're right. There's a lot of choices. But the good thing is we've we have choices there. They just need game time now. Yeah. And we've only three test matches going in. That's the thing. You know, so I think Jimmy will definitely be over in France at the World Cup as well because he plays every position in the back yeah. line except actually he said that he plays scrum half as well. Does we, he? We had him on a podcast, he said he's plays scrum half for Leinster as well. So <laughs> he would be one of the first names on my team sheet. Yeah. Um, so he'll probably be over there. Hugo's obviously gonna be there. So I think if another guy kinda steps up as you those guys you mentioned, maybe they might sl slot in, but we don't want Hugo to get injured first of all. No, of course not. Yeah. Course what do you not. think? Yeah, I think it would have to be Jimmy. I'm just just getting concerned with game time at this point. Yeah. Like, and you know, maybe Leinster would kind of step up and you know let him have a run there. But like, why would they do that? I, they wouldn't, I don't know. I just we're running out of time. I suppose I suppose the warm up games would be the time to kind of you know play mm -hmm. with the back three formation and just getting minutes on the park. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the European Championship coming up now is going to stay a lot. Yeah. Hopefully most people don't get injured, but there's probably going to be a couple of injuries there. So um, the next few months will tell. But let's move on to the URC that was on the weekend, guys. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Jason O'Mara, you were actually at the Leinster game. I was. And I was abroad and I was following it on Twitter and I was like, oh my God, they're going to lose, lads. I was like, this does not happen, no, Leinster. never going to lose. <laughs> no. Were they 20-something? Uh, were they 70-nil down? 70-nil down. I was yeah. like, oh my God. They, oh, they had a lot of young fellas out playing now, so that was obviously what was happening. Yeah. But at any stage, Jason, did you think Leinster are going to lose this game? Yeah, around half time. <laughs> <laughs> and I just saw it. I wonder what's going on inside that dressing room because it can't be can't be pleasant. And then they came out and they were like a different team in the second half. But yeah, that was like seventeen nil down at home. I've never I haven't seen that in a long time. 
mm. with the RDS. And they ended up pulling it back to 22 all and they actually kicked the ball out at the end. Harry Byrne kicked it out to take mm. the draw. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that decision? I thought it was okay because it puts Leinster top of the pay- table. They're untenable now. You know, they're safe. It was the right thing to do in that moment of the league. But I just thought it was, I thought it was an excellent game. I thought it was almost like European standard um Rugby, uh, there was some crazy collisions out there. The speed of some of the backs was incredible. Uh, really intense collisions. I'd, I'd a, almost a, t- a touchline seat. I got lucky with the, the ticket. And you could really feel like those those Collision. tackles and collisions, you know, it was, it was intense. Um, and actually, I think just the standard of the URC the whole weekend was amazing. Maybe that kind of set the standard, but mm. I, I thought it was some really good rugby. Um, but yeah, I, I no, look, when Leinster started coming back in the second half, I thought, okay, we're getting back in groove here. And when Leinster get like that, we, you know, they, I was going to say we, yeah, we, we, we can kind of score at will, you know. I thought, ah, it's, it's not impossible. I think we can do this. And of course, Harry Byrne had the kick to win it at the end in 76 minutes, I think, and just, he was just shy of the post. Mm. The wind was crazy and the conditions weren't great. You know, the, the drizzle made the ball greasy. Yeah. And I think it made it look like there was a lot of bit more unforced errors than there would have been otherwise. The ball was greasy and the wind in the first half in particular was really blustery and really played in, in the Stormers' favour. And the second half, Leinster didn't have the benefit of that strong wind. Okay. The wind kind of died down. So they were factors in the game as well, I think. Yeah. What did you make of it, Lindsay? It was it was a top of the table clash. Like Leinster are top, obviously, and then Stormers were second. So it would have been a massive mental win for Stormers. Can I just let's let's go through some of the South African World Cup winners that the Stormers brought with them here, lads? Can we just acknowledge that? So I think it draws very good. Mr. Kitts off there with his yeah. beautiful red hair was absolutely killing people. Um, Leboc was brilliant. Willemsa was there. Duplice was there. Like this is an absolute all-round team, and yet. Uh, Leinster were missing their internationals like other than like yes we've Max Deegan Scott Penny obviously got on the score she John McKee the poor turnover at the at the set piece but overall I think for such an inexperienced overall Leinster squad compared to mm. a very very experienced international Stormers who came with respect um, I think it's a great result and I know you were looking for us to slip up but <laughs> I think that is they're the games that these lads you know if they're not getting into camp and they're not getting into international level and Scott Petty's trying to get back in Northern New Jersey these are the games where thankfully they have the option and obviously Stormers coming into you know you do know it's the you said about standard like you know we've cup weekend coming you know, you know uh, Champions Cup this weekend so I think all teams were making sure they Got a good hit out. So, to be honest, with the calibre of, of players, and I'd say it was an exceptional match to be at, um, I think Leinster did okay. Did it yeah. really well. I actually, I do love Leinster, let me put it out there. I, but I was just <laughs> like, these lads just can't be beaten. I was like, this is the first time they're going to be beaten. Even though it's their second string team, they're probably going to improve much more out of that game now than they would have the other 16 or 15 games they played yeah. already because it was their second string lads that went up against one of the best teams in the world and beat them and came back from being 17-0 down and, and didn't beat them but drew with them and I was like they're going to learn so much from that Like, and obviously there's probably going to be a full change of the guard now for the European game coming in but that's just going to inc- inc- improve the whole Leinster squad so I'm like okay they're going to be even better now <laughs> yeah it's good and I'm like I'm like they're gone so we've we've Jordan Larmer we've mentioned Scott Penny Max Deegan Reese Roder like 
who of those boys are going to be retained for this weekend? Do you know against us? There could be none of them retained, like, do you know? I know. And like, Mm. Reese would have got some take off for that turnover. And he, to be fair, he got back to help Rob Russell um, turn the ball back over on just inside, just on the try line. Like, their belief and their never die attitude and every single Leinster player breaking their their arse back to, to, you know, to get that turnover, I think is exceptional to not only their their really brotherhood, their culture and their belief. And like, I just think that's fascinating for me, the buy-in um, and the mental side of it. You know, there's exceptional athletes there and rugby players, but you cannot, like, that's how you train this, mm. you know, and it's so important to the to the elite game. And um, yeah, just congratulations. I think it's yeah. great. It seemed one. a bit shell-shocked at the beginning. Like, the Stormers came at them from the beginning and they were like, whoa, I mean... They'd had some weeks off and, you know, we all have a bit of a Grand Slam hangover and it was all a bit kind of like, whoa, whoa, okay, now we're in this. Mm. And for them to come back from behind for the draw, I think, in particular, again, shows like great character. It shows an incredible team. Yeah, they'll just push on from this now, I think, as well. And it was a great uh, 80 minutes for their second Mm -hmm. string legs to get under their belt while the Grand Slam winners were away. Absolutely. But you mentioned it there. Do you think anyone from this Leinster team will get the nod against Ulster? Or do you think there's going to be a full change of the guard? Like, will... Doris van der Fleer and Conan come into the back row and change it all up or do you think some lads would be rewarded like a Reese Ruddock? I would hope to see Reese Ruddock uh, rewarded and Scott Penny as well because I think they're they're really in, they're really integral to bringing on the younger lads as well you know in their mm. leadership styles and um, like their work ethic and even Scott Penny since you know turn of Christmas like his stats are off the charts so I mean there's not a lot more like and there's a I would hate to be Leo Cullen um, and Stuart Lancaster picking this week because there's a fine balance between rewarding lads for their um, for their performances over the last couple of weeks and look the lads are coming off a grand slam I think they have to be managed as well like Caelan Doris has had a I, I agree with you. I think he kind of probably tapered off towards the end, but that's, I think, just with loads. So I think the longevity and the success this season, I think maybe rest of the lads that have come back off international duty and trust a couple of them in. Like Reese Ruddock is a workhorse. I, I'd play him at six and star Scott Penny at seven and maybe put Doris in there at eight, kind of mix it up. Yeah. I don't think you'll have a much of a dip no matter what the selection is, to be honest. <laughs> you know, and Ulster are coming really good. They had a good, really good win over the weekend. Um, they're up in Ravenhill. So it'll be uh, one to watch anyway. It will be for sure. Well, Jason, you did a bit of coaching over in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. So you've been picking teams. If you were Leo Cullen or Stuart Lancaster and you were picking for the Champions Cup this weekend against Ulster, would you bring in all your Grand Slam winners or would you keep some of your second string lads? I think. Well, I think you have to reward some of the guys who um, have been... Uh, working so hard in the URC, so I think I think you have to retain some of them, and I think it's just good team culture to do that. Um, that hard work is rewarded, even if you're not wearing a green shirt, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think um, it's it's a really important game that, from a Leinster point of view, they have to win. So um, I think he would probably bring, and obviously, like you know, there's going to be some injuries as well, like. Um, I mean, are they going to play? Like, Kelleher's out. You know, Sexton's out. Um, who else? Sheehan is probably kind of, I don't know what's going on with his uh, shoulder. But, like, you know, there's going to be quite a few of them unavailable as well. So, I, I don't really know. My, my 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 feeling is he'll probably bring a couple in and, you know, kind of let it filter with the with the you know, established guys who are, who are there. I don't know if Reese Ruddock will be playing, for example. Yeah. But there'll be probably a couple of others, especially in the pack, that'll that'll retain their positions yeah for sure you probably presume like Henshaw will start because he's been out for so long just got back yeah. in there played the he last needs game more for game time 
Yeah, Gary Ringrose might be rested because he's still recovering from that concussion. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He might play because he's he's gone past the return to play protocols. But um, would you so, play Ringrose? No, no. Leave I think I'd rest him now. Mm. I think he's 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 done well. But again, I think load load, and I think he's been through an awful lot. He's had a really good championship. He's had a really good time at Leinster. But I think it's time. He's had now a great for, time in his parents' basement. Apparently, do you know <laughs> yeah. what? I had such FOMO when they got off that minibus. So I was like, damn, I wish we had the invite. But look, maybe after they win a. European Championship yeah. you know Champions Cup that'd yeah. be nice there was such a Gary don't video. forget us <laughs> yeah, yeah. if anyone hadn't seen it yet we're referring to a video going around social media of the Irish Grand Slam winners arriving up at Gary Ringrose's house supposedly and just going in and getting getting him uh, involved with the drinking because he was trying to take a day off after winning <laughs> yeah I think his dad was involved with that he's like oh come on over lads and yeah. they just in so yeah it was good L crack I love that it's like it's so Irish isn't it <laughs> Not, so Irish yeah. like they look like a stag party fourth day yeah. drinking like, do you know what I mean it's, they didn't look good they deserve it. Ah, 100%. They deserve it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll move on to the West of Ireland, guys. Connacht were playing against Edinburgh and they got another big win, 41-26. And it was their fifth league win in a row and it brings them up to sixth in the URC standing. So they've won, um, I think they're on the same amount of wins as Munster. Connacht are on nine wins out of 16, just behind Munster in the URC table. So it's a big jump up for them. Did you catch it, uh, Yeah, Lindsay? I just saw the highlights. I thought, uh, I thought Caelan Blade was exceptional. I thought again they're they're we always speak about their inconsistency, but to put those five wins together, I think is really going to hopefully they can continue on into now the Challenge Cup and uh, finish off in the URC and get some playoff places. So, um, yeah, I thought there's some again variation of tries, um, good handling, never say die. And Edinburgh are good, like Edinburgh are a really good outfit, so really good home win. Yeah, I was for sure. Caelan Blake got another hat trick of the season. He's just playing in exceptional. Ah, his little chip through at the end. I was like, this is a man. Like he's like full of confidence and it's a nice little celebration at the end but like there are moments where sometimes you try them and it don't come off and you look like a bit of a, an Egypt but like he's just yeah he'd a snipe at the rook he'd a intercept try and then he'd a little um, grubber yeah uh, and it was a really good choice because I think he was out number three to one so a little grubber through and he finished it off so um, good bounce of the ball for him so yeah and it's nice to see I think because to be fair he's had really good season and then we're the competition at nine, which again is another area where you're like, who's going to be in or out? And, you know, he's probably another guy who you'd love to see get a chance, but I don't see him even as good as he's playing, probably heading on the on the plane to France. And that's just the really good place Irish rugby are in right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, Connacht have kind of pulled it together. Like, Kyle Ford had an incredible game. He scored a lovely try, broke yeah. in the middle, beat five defenders, scored yep. in the corner. It was an incredible finish. Uh, Jared Butler stepped up for his team again. Uh, Connor Oliver Connor. had a good game, even though he was sin binned, and mm-hmm. uh, Connacht actually scored when Connor Oliver was off the pitch, like which shows their cohesiveness and that they're really together as a team. Um, but they're away to Benetton on the weekend in the Challenge Cup. Like, how do you think they'll get on there? Benetton are a decent team. Yeah, it's 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 hard to tell because they're both a bit inconsistent, so it's mm. hard to know which teams are going to show up. Um, got to say, I got to also mention Porch's uh, marking of Darcy Graham was That's incredible. Yeah, like Darcy like. Graham is world class winger and. Porteous wasn't giving him any room. Hard to do. And uh, I thought he like he was my player of the match. I just thought he was he was brilliant. Mm. Um yeah, it's just it's just about form. It's like trying to just if if Connor could come up with that performance every week, I'd say they have every chance of, you know, doing whatever it is they want to do this season. But there just seems to be this slight inconsistency. Um I also think they're they love playing at home because that mm-hmm. new pitch really suits them. Yeah. And it was the first time I saw all those elements come together yeah. in that game of the weekend. 
and they and it wasn't looked, raining and it wasn't them. raining <laughs> I mean that goes and a long way yeah <laughs> looked like a lovely day and it looked yeah. like they were playing the game they wanted to play of course uh, you know Edinburgh wouldn't have wanted that to happen but they 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 looked in form they looked strong they looked confident Kane and Blade leading them um and they looked like they could score tries for fun and and uh I just hope that's the same Connacht that goes up against Benetton next week because yeah, Benetton can be, you know, they're, they're, they're very good at home. Underestimated at your peril. Yeah, for sure. Benetton are doing well this year, so I do hope Connacht go over. As you said, Jason, they're very consi- inconsistent, and they're not going to be in the sports ground. So um, we hope they bring that uh, standard over to Italy next week. We'll be watching, but we better talk about my very own monster lads. <laughs> I don't really want to talk to them. <laughs> uh, Pat's making me do it though. They were playing in Thomond Park in the weekend and at one stage I think they were, was it 31 nil down? 31 nil down, yeah. Oh, you have that written down there in your notebook to you to reinforce I, All it, I actually have on this page is 31 <laughs> nil down. <laughs> and then they, what was the only real positive was that a couple of the big names stepped up like Gavin Coombs, Craig Casey, and they got their tries and they kind of started rallying the comeback, but it was way too late by that stage. 31 nil down is too far to come back, especially at home. And Glasgow got a win 38-26. Can I ask you an honest question? Yeah. Did Munster play badly? Because I know Graham Roundtree basically didn't sugarcoat his halftime talk nor his post-match. Mm. Or are we being unfair on Glasgow and they actually played some really bloody good rugby? Fraser <laughs> Brown with the little offloads inside. Like, they yeah. played some really nice stuff. Now, it did look like you guys were like, Oh, hang on, I got this tackle. Like, he's for a step behind. And for a um, couple of the players who were involved in Grand Slam celebrations, I'd hate to be playing after a week of on the booze, rightly so. But yeah, I'm not sure we're being unfair on Glasgow now. Yeah. Glasgow did come out the blocks fast. They were moving the ball beautifully. They were yeah. really good footwork. But Munster just seemed lethargic. They weren't cohesive in their defensive line. At one stage, I think David Coyne shot out and they just he opened up a gap. Another stage, Glasgow went through and Mike Haley was just kind of s- sat there and just he just ran around him as if Mike Haley wasn't yeah. ready to tackle. And I was like, this is so uncharacteristic. What are they doing? They just seemed not ready to go and they just got caught in the hop in the mm-hmm. first half. And I was like, this is sad. Like at home, Tomlin Park, Munster, like, and they, they've been doing so well. Um, but they, they'll take a few positives out of it but Graham Roundtree was not happy and I like that he didn't sugarcoat it so he'll probably be lambasting him this morning now down in Limerick down in UL Well he's going away now aren't he's away in Durban now this weekend like yeah, it's not an easy no. you know trip to go and I don't think it's either going to go one or two ways for you and you know we kind of said this with young guys like Calvin Nash needs a shout out I thought he, he had a really good game for you guys and mm. as I said has gone from strength to strength week in week out but I think um, yeah it would have been nice for you to get a really good home win going going away because like that's probably the toughest round for all the Irish teams is your guys' trip to Durban now this weekend. So yeah. I'm hoping it's a boot up the arse that he's needed, you know, and he just can go out there, but hopefully yeah. he's not gonna knock your confidence. You yeah, know? Exactly. The frustrating thing is in the second half they look like a completely different team. When they wanna play, they can play. And uh you know, in defence and attack. And it's like in the first half it just didn't show up and you just wonder why that is. What why weren't they ready for that, you know? Why yeah. weren't they even tackling? They were slipping off all these tackles. They were kind we're of so school, high on tackles as school well. level tackles. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that defense should should hold. Something's something's not right there, you know, um, mm. because that's that that was a result. I feel like they could have got if their first half was as was as good as their second. Definitely. for They sure, can yeah. they can play really intense, fast, clinical rugby, uh, which is really good to watch. 
you're just wondering why it's so yeah. you know. I, I, now, in fairness, Glasgow were really good. Mm. But they kind of overpowered and they like, yeah. y- y- like Munster have developed into a nice um, outfit that are physical, win their ball, but they're now moving balls. You know, they've increased their speed of rook and they're not afraid to offload and especially in the loose. Like, so we've, we've had been privileged to some really good examples of their, how they can play this season. But yeah, it was just, they were uncharacteristically out of form now this weekend and yeah. badly so in the first half. But those two, two Irish teams that were down at half time, like really down. Yeah. Um, and I think Munster just that little bit, it's just a try or two too many. Yeah, in that first half just too much. I fun. think it's what you alluded to a while ago, Jason, with the Grand Slam hangover. Maybe they were all just still thinking about the points they were having and enjoying the couple of weeks, which they were allowed to do. You have yeah. to do that. That's the part of rugby is enjoying your wins, otherwise yeah. there's no crack. So Leinster kind of just about got through, got their draw. Munster not good enough lads, but hopefully now we pull up the socks and have a good uh, game now away in Durban against a fully loaded Sharks this weekend. Um, how do you think they'll get on there, Lindsay? Oh, I hate to say it. Obviously, I do hope they win. But going away now to South Africa against a fully loaded team who are, like, let's be honest, the South Africans come out this weekend, the URC fully loaded, getting all their internationals back. And I think they mean business this weekend. Um, so I hope for a monster win, but uh, it'd be the one kind of, I'm it's not a tough sure. Fixture, it's a like, tough fixture. Yeah. Like Munster used to be one of the giants of, of European rugby. They've obviously fallen off a little bit, Jason. How do you think they'll get on going down to Sharks? Do you think they're good enough to get a win down there? I think if they can take the energy that they kind of ended the that uh, Glasgow game with and take it with them down there and begin, you know, from the kickoff like that, then I think they, I think they will. I mean, they they have we know that they have the talent. Hmm. Um, we know they're they're still fine in their form, but they they have these patches, these purple patches, a real brilliance. And it's just about like trying to string that together and. If they can do that, I mean, it would be very monster to go down there and win against the Sharks. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, like Lindsay, I, I, I'd hope for a win, but yeah. at the moment, there's not much evidence to support that. Yeah, Joe, I think they can get a win down there. I, 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 we're back on track with you winning a, a Champions Cup. Yeah, I oh, said at the start of the season, Jason, when Munster were all the way down the bottom of the URC table, I was like, <laughs> watch this, they're going to do well in the European this, Cup. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. So at the moment they're going, okay, if yeah. they get a win down in Durban next week, it's still on. Um, and but I'm God ready. help you next Monday if they don't. I know, yeah. I won't, I won't be going in. I'm only messing. <laughs> I'll be watching that podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're obviously an uh, avid rugby fan. You watch it intently, all the different <clears throat> uh, teams, all the different leagues. What do you think is the reason Munster have fallen off and so far behind Leinster at the moment? Do you think it comes down to the ground level of like school system or do you think it's the top level of the coaching and everything? I don't know. It's just been so frustrating and, you know, obviously I have to be careful what I say as a Leinster fan because I'll be jumped on. But <laughs> uh, it, I don't know. It feels like we've been using a lot of excuses, you know, and it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's Van Gran and now it's, it's Roundtree and it's just give them a chance to settle in, bed in. Oh, there's new talent coming up. We have to give them a chance. We have to believe in the future and all that stuff. And I think all that's true. But at a certain point, I think you have to like draw a line under it and go, okay, we're we're monster, and uh, we we have we have a way of playing. We have a culture here, mm. and you know when we play at home, we we don't put in a defensive performance like that. Like we just don't. End of story. And I think the players have to take responsibility for that. I don't obviously we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what their defensive systems are. We don't know how they're coached day to day. Um and we don't know really what, you know, I mean, 
I think we've seen flashes of what Roundtree is trying to do with them, but we haven't really yet seen a complete 80 minute performance out of them. So we don't really know. So um, I think it's it's about time now that Munster needs to kind of step into its own and as a team and just say, this is who we are. This is what we do, uh, regardless of, you know, circumstances, mm. uh, coaching tickets and players and all that stuff and, and 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 really just kind of come together and and go back to that monster culture that we know so and create well. that ethos yeah 100 percent. but that's you, just my take on it i know i'm going to get no, no matter what i, I agree say i'm going to get destroyed no, yeah so. we've <laughs> yeah like if you look at ruan quinn which i think jason did an interview with last week you know he has been capped with monster he obviously there was part of the under 20 grand salmon and team alex kendellen has been there and now senior and would have captained the under 20 so there's huge amount of talent in Munster, but it just so we have a blueprint that really works for Leinster with the school system. That's not the same blueprint that's going to work for Munster rugby. So how do you identify these talented young men and make sure they're in academies or make sure they're identified so they can get into academies and get into hubs? Because if you look at like so many talented GA players and heard are saying the likes of Waterford, which are uncharacteristically not orthodox rugby counties, how do we identify the talent that don't meet the, the Orthodox GAA environment there and get them into rugby? Do you know, because they're, and same with Tipperary, like, so it has to, you have to find a blueprint that works, but there's so many good men there. And I think if we, we've said this before, we can just blood the depth that's underneath Munster right now. They will be up with, with Leinster. So mm. you can not be relying on the the likes of Killer or Coombs or Casey coming back from an international duty and give them that week off to still get you over the line in the URC, do you know, yeah. with the talent that's there. And I think maybe that was maybe a missed thing this weekend to maybe just trust in the in the younger lads that have, ha- have had performances throughout the year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, I can only imagine. I was looking at Killer and I was like, oh my God, I can imagine now being on the, ripping on that high and then coming back, you know, to sober up at a URC and you're, you're just not in the humour. Because rightly so, you deserve to, you know, celebrate. But if that's your job, you have to just come back in and do yeah. it. So... But I've been there, you're just like, oh God, it's terrible, you know, to mm. just get the mind switched back on. So mm. there is good days for Munster Rugby, just not need to be patient. I do think so as well, yeah. And I feel like it's a little bit unfair that we compare them to the team of the past, the 06 team and the 08 team with the O'Connells and the O'Callaghan's and, yeah. and the O'Gara's and all these guys because they were more senior men, if, mm-hmm. if that's a nice way to put it, where this Munster team was full of young fellas coming up through the ranks where, the, like you just named Gavin Coombs and Casey and we also have Jack Crowley and these guys coming down from international duty. But they're still young fellas. They're still in their early 20s. Oh, like, 100%. Shane mean, so. Daly, uh, yeah. Calvin Nash. Like these are guys who were just on a tour. Uh, Shane Daly obviously was in with sevens of you guys as well. So they're just finding their feet in development, you know, and yeah. they're kind of in some weeks there's no hiding place, but there has to, you have to give them that hide, hiding place and that transitionary time with the experience and the youth to, to bed them in and that's yeah. that, that's all there is they're just a little bit behind um, Yeah, I think it comes back to what Jason's saying is they have to just rebuild that ethos and that mm. mindset and just maybe the next couple of seasons is when we're going to see them back challenging with a Leinster you know what I mean yep. yeah it's like that thing where you go down to Thomas Park and you expect uh, a level of performance you know like this especially in defence like yeah. you just it's our house and we're just going to like when we're at home this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I just feel some somehow there's been like a lot of excuses and a lot of things kind of lost in the shuffle and um just has to be a bottom line there, I think. Mm. 
Completely agree with you. I'll bring that back to Munster and let yeah, you know if what you're you saying. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. I'll be, I'll be fine now uh, walking down the street after this. <laughs> no, you're all good. I completely agree with what you're saying, 100%. Now, up to the north of Ireland, also we're playing Stormers and they got a good win, 32-23. Robert Balakoon was uh, on flying form, scoring tries for fun. His pace and power is just next level, Lindsay. Yeah, it's good to see him back now. He's, he's had a loss and he was obviously at the peak when he was at his peak, he was in with Ireland and he was doing exciting things, you know. Um, and so it's good to see him back. And he, he looked like he was enjoying himself. And Michael Lowry set him up, I think, for both of his tries, did he? So, um, mm. if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, they did a good win. They did a good win. And uh, John Cooney with a really big kick there at the end. Mm. You know, it's good to see him. Nathan Doak. John, you know, it was lovely, actually. Um, Tom Stewart scored a great one of his three tries off the mall. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the mall was kind of struggling. And next of all, in goes Balakoon and in goes Nathan Joke. And I was like, no, that's the Ulster we're used to seeing. Like, and you're not used to backs, obviously, being in them all. But it was um, it was refreshing that they just, yeah, got stuck in and got over the line. And yeah, it was a good win. And um, nice hat-trick by Tom Stewart as well. He was one of the top try scorers in the URC and still. I think he's up to 13 tries this season yeah. now. Like, what the hell? And he's a hooker and he's only a young fella. He's only 22, mm. Yeah, I think and three tries in the weekend and they're decent tries they're smart tries the one where he was a scrum half and he sniped from the back and scored in the corner and obviously he's getting a lot of mall tries as well but that's all part yeah, but of it the thing in the mall tries is and any any like aspiring hooker he keeps his head up so he doesn't change his bind he keeps his shoulder on the mall but he keeps his head up so he's always watching for where the defenders are and that's a big key thing in rugby if we're not watching rooks we're, you need to get your eyes up to see where your opposition players are and I think that's really smart and you could see that in all his mall tries he was just you know waiting to see where this gap was and uh, he's a smart guy yeah. he deserved him When you played in the pack Jason would you agree with yeah. that? Yeah yeah we didn't like back then there wasn't that kind of um, those one out that one out assault on the try line you know there's pop and go pick and go all that kind of stuff um, I, I find that stuff quite exciting I'd love to have played like that I'd love to have tried to defend something like that that kind of a wave of attack you're just uh, relentless putting your body on the line like it's it's, it's amazing to watch um, yeah I think there was one was there one Tom Stewart try where there was they had to check it and from, from behind the rook it was just this little hand and a ball popped out and just <laughs> on the line <laughs> yeah. like he was just it was brilliant he's a very smart player now. very smart yeah so he's going to be what coming in behind Heffernan and um, who's the other one Dan Sheehan yep. and then we got Tom Short so our hookers in Ireland are in a great spot like aren't they yeah considering we lost uh, bow hookers there mm. um, against Scotland you know and and obviously you know when you've world player of the year just coming in there throwing darts for fun uh, but it's nice to know we actually have a qualified hooker uh, in the background you know who can who's well able to play he's definitely put his hand up for the, that World Cup squad Tom Stewart yeah. and Rob Herring who scored yeah. against England there to yeah. finish the game off you know yeah. so um, Jesus lads we might have to offload more players <laughs> to <laughs> other nations yeah true and the big moment in the game was when Bismarck Duplessis got yellow carded for a clean up and Billy Burns the TMO got uh, got involved because Billy Burns was lying on the floor now Jake White had something to say about it I don't know if you've heard he was livid and he wants yellow cards to be brought in for diving so he's kind of referring to like soccer and he said it's something we'll have to look at going forward because what you don't want is a player lying down every time he gets cleaned out and he makes the TMO have a look um, so what do you make of those comments have you seen the size of Duplessis <laughs> he's massive and Billy Burns had his back to him and he just drove like right into his shoulder blades with his shoulder and didn't wrap the arms how is that like going down and yeah. acting I don't know no and tens that looked like tens pain. are a bit watery as well well anyways. they are a bit but like 
Billy Martin's a small I'm going to get slated for that. Sorry to all the tens, but you're, you know. But he no. didn't even see it coming, like, in yeah. fairness. I don't know. And I've met Billy Barnes. I've actually played against him and he's not a soft lad. Like, so I think Jake White was just a bit annoyed because um, I don't think rugby's getting to that point at all where anyone's diving and stuff. It's too tough a sport. Like, I, you'd be, you would not live it down for months. Yeah. Your own team even. would kill yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. They'd be like, I'm embarrassed. Get the hell up. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> there is no hiding place for, you know, from either team. Like, do you just get no love if you're kind of being, no offence, an actor. I'm taking Yeah, no, I think Jake White's just typically like, you know, the, the South Africans are renowned for their physicality and I'm sure doesn't, you know, they don't hold any punches. So I'm sure mm. he just took an opportunity to get a dig in. I even think some of the refs, refs along the last couple of years have even said to players that have fallen over, don't fake it, we're not at soccer here. I think Nigel Owens has said it a couple of times and stuff. So I don't think you'll ever get there, Jason, with acting on the rugby pitch. The, the thing is, if you're really, really good, you'll get away with it. You have to really <laughs> commit to the role, you know. <laughs> You have to make sure all the medics come on and but you can't overdo it or else you'll end up going off for an HIA. So it's like trying to get that balance. You know? I feel yeah. like you'd have one of them, you know, those capsules of blood and like Jason yeah. just sitting there, just, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, dramatically yeah. ooze out of his mouth or lost a tooth or something. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, you know, with your future career for you, teaching yeah, fellas that Yeah, it. like, guys, if you're going to go down, you have to really kind of, yeah, <laughs> really believe it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Got to go for the truth, method acting. You know? It's a few it. tears going down your <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good stuff. All right, so Ulster are away to Leinster this weekend and it's on in Dublin. Do we think they have a shot, lads, in the Champions Cup? Be honest. Uh, I don't know. I think the last one I remember at the Aviva between Leinster and Ulster... Jacob Stocktail dropped the ball on the try line. Do you remember that one? I do. Yeah. Uh, and that was close. And it was kind of the same as this. I think, don't think people were expecting it to be that close, but Ulster really brought it. And yeah. I think Ulster could really challenge Leinster. Um, you think? Yeah, I do. You agree with that, Lindsay? Yeah, I think cup competitions are a bit different, a bit yeah. like championships, aren't they? And I think the fact that um, Leinster are being credited for that you know, port, you know, that turning point in, in, in Ulster season, um, in the RDS where we, where we came back from that win, um, in a very confident, against a confident Ulster team. I think that was the turning point. They went on a really dip. I think they're on a good point where they're coming up nicely. They're confident. They've depth the squad. They've some really world-class players. They've got great players back from injury. And I mm. think Leinster will get over the line. But I don't, I think it's going to be a close one. Mm. I think it's going to be kind of last 20 minutes job. And I think the Leinster, depending on selection, Leinster probably benching a couple of big players will will do the trick. And I think the mental side of it will get them over the line. The habit of winning and knowing how to win under tough conditions will get them. But I think Ulster will come here looking for a scalp. Yeah, Ulster have done it before. Yep. Uh, do you know what I mean? They've come down to the RDS, they've beat Leinster, so they know how to get it done. And I presume that will be in the back of Leinster's mind, being like, okay, Ulster have beaten us on our own turf before but it's Champions Cup Rugby and Leinster win Cup Rugby you know what I mean so I do think Leinster are going to win I think they're going to win a bit handier than you're suggesting um, just because they're going to have their big boys back and mm. because it's like Champions Cup time and I know from talking to a couple of Leinster lads in the background is that they're so focused on winning the Champions Cup because they lost against La Rochelle last year it's pain for them like talk, yeah. talking about it you can see yeah. it they get so riled up and this is a stepping stone to get to that point and they have all their finals in Dublin, for so they want to keep winning. They want to help build the momentum to get all the way to that grand final in the Aviva Stadium in May. So I just can't see Leinster being beaten. 
I can't, but the, if you look at it really, if referred, there's going to be very little disruption to the selection of Ulster who have been able mm. to kind of really put some consistency together. Now you have the question of how do Leinster bring in back in their internationals without disrupting the lads who've been there. Yeah. I don't see it being an issue because I think with Leinster, there's that what we've seen in that Irish team is that they're, they have each other's back and whoever is the selection, they're behind them 100%. But I think that's going to be the management now for this. And I think the fact that Ulster have a burning desire, you know, <laughs> with you, they will come here looking to, to scalp Leinster for many reasons, you know. So, of course they um, I think Ulster it'll be a great match. formidable. A hundred percent. Like, they're really tough. You yeah. Know? They do have a great squad when they're when they've everyone's fit, they have an unbelievable team. So it'll be a great game. We'll definitely one of the ones to watch this weekend. Yeah. Um so we want to talk about the women's six nations. We'll be back to talk about it in a couple of seconds because we just want to listen to Patch Chat with Energy Ambassador and Ireland fullback and Grand Slam winner Hugo Keenan. Have listened to this. Hey Pat, how's it going? Good, how's it going? How are you getting on? I'm all good, yeah, can't complain. Um, listen, how's the how's everything? Like you're you're doing okay after the, the knock in the head at the weekend. I saw you at least you're up celebrating afterwards and all. So that, exactly, that's, that's yeah, no, no, I'm all good. Um, yeah, it was disappointing. I couldn't get back out there on the pitch. Um, it was it was a bit of a tight call with the HIA, but um, yeah, a uh, bit of a stressful last uh, second half watching on the sidelines. Uh, I don't particularly enjoy uh, enjoy it. I prefer being out there. Um, but no, brilliant. The lads did did a job, and um, yeah, I was able to enjoy the celebrations and and I had a great few days. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a special weekend. I was gonna uh, ask you like uh, there was a great one. I saw I, there was a couple of pictures I was gonna ask you about. One of them was uh, you're, I don't know whether you're in a, with a bunch of mates, but one of the guys had an England jersey on, and I didn't know whether you knew him at all. And he was like, tat- like do, do, you're kind of in with a bunch of mates like that, giving a thumbs up. Are they your yeah? Friend? So yeah, about uh, four of them are. So two twins, I'd be uh, good mates with in, in school. One of their girlfriends and uh, their brother. So uh, I think I, I knew four of them. The the guy in the English jersey, I can't say I knew now. Uh, I didn't even notice him in the picture. But no, that that was a really special moment. I suppose walking around the Viva, um, in front of the the fifty two thousand who stuck around and seen so many familiar faces and friends and family in, in the in the crowd was uh, was really cool. So, um, yeah, it was a it was a great picture. And then, um, like I was just kind of wondering, like you, um, you know, like what were you doing then for the twenty eighteen Grand Slam, like when Ireland won and over in Twickenham? That was like Paddy's Day weekend as well. Can you remember what you were doing for it? Where you were? Uh, I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I was one hundred percent watching. Um, I know supporting all the lads. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, the, I'm not uh, good with those sort of things. You were, I don't know. I was going to say you could have been in a bar, but we won't, we won't, we won't sting you. Um, <laughs> good well of, good well of. There's one now I saw with um, another great one with Jimmy O'Brien and Caelan Doris and all the family around as well on mm. the pitch. Uh, like what does it kind of mean for you to kind of come true with those lads and kind of be sharing those kind of moments as well yeah it was it was incredible having our parents and family on the pitch like that's the reason why you do it for for those moments and those days so um that was really cool and to be on the pitch with jimmy kaylin um james porter all lads who i've sort of come up with um through the through the age grade levels and uh in in black rock as well was is is really special and I think that's some some of the reasons why we've got such a close knit bond in in camp and uh, in the Irish squad that there's there's so many people in those 
uh, in that in that situation that uh, you've gone through the ranks with, and um, yeah, it makes it extra special. There's there's a couple more now just for me. One of them was uh, I remember I was up in the stands when and and watching it. Lucky enough to be at the Aviva for the game as well. But what the 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 collision you had with Freddie as well. Like for me, like I, I, I thought the thing that stood out for me was immediately he kind of went, reached out, put his hand out to say he was sorry to you. I was wondering, did he have a chance to catch up with you at all during the game or after the game at all? Yeah, like he was he was very apologetic. Like I, I caught him after the game on the pitch and straight away um, just apologised. But it, it was one of those rugby incidents. It was it was very unfortunate for him. Like. I didn't realize at the time, but he obviously checked checked on me pretty straight away because it, it was a good whack. Um, and yes, chatting to him after, so he's a sound lad, and it's probably a good thing he got off um, the the siding as well. Probably a fair call because it was it was a accidental collision at the end of the day, and I, f- I fell for him as another fullback. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then uh, I was kind of asking, and this is just pure timing as well, but I was like saying you're up for the. The player of the championship, which is an amazing honour for you, like and to be listed in there. But I was saying, uh, Hugo Keane is out here campaigning t- today to for for player of the championship. Is that, <laughs> going on? Far from it, far from it. Uh, I think, as far as I've been told uh, from the lads earlier, voting's closed. But uh, no, it, it, it'll hopefully go to either Mac or Kalen now. They've they've both been brilliant. Um, like it could have been a number of others on that on that Irish team. Uh, I think there was a few brilliant uh, performers uh, throughout the campaign as well. Um, so it'd be uh, nice if someone in green got it now. But um, yeah, the main thing is we we got the Grand Slam. That was that's the only one I care about. And then the last one for me is just you're you're going back to Leinster. Um, how tough is it going to be now to get that jersey back whenever you do get cleared to play again? Yeah, yeah, but that's that's the beauty of it, and that's why it's such it's such a good environment to be involved in. Um, those lads playing so well um, in in the in that jersey and and all of them, and they've had a few great wins over the last while against Edinburgh and Cardiff, and um, a big game on on Friday against Stormers as well. So um, yeah, lads will be chomping at the bit to to get that uh, fifteen jersey, and I'll I'll be in the same boat. Perfect. Well, listen, it was great talking to you, and, and good to see you're, you're you're doing so well and looking a bit tougher now uh, than the last time I was speaking exactly, to you. Exactly, as ugly as ever, Pat. <laughs> so the Women's Six Nations has kicked off, and initially, Lindsay, I think you said that it would be good for us to aim for third place. We played Wales in the first game. Doesn't look like we're going to be getting third place behind England and France after that game. What what was the score? 30... 31-5. 31-5 away to Wales. Yeah, so. we were like Munster. We were 26 nil down at half time. Mm, and not expected, is it? No, I think we, it was always going to... Like, no one knows where you're going to be. Like, you know, even the Irish lads could have went to Wales in the first round and you need a win to start your, your campaign off in the right foot. So you never know where you are in a Six Nations since in that first round. We knew it was always going to be a huge amount of experience in a Wales squad. They were over 12 months ahead in their international and profession, or sorry, professional contracts on international. Um, and they 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 bolstered over 400 caps in their squad and we only had just under 200 I think if I'm not mistaken so we did an average of 7 caps per player um, compared to them so yeah I firstly want to send a lot of love to the girls who were there I've been there you've been there it's a tough day when you're really trying your best so I hope the girls are listening but not listening at the same time when they're just really have a tight circle and keeping the outside noise out um, but at the same time, it's a complex situation. Like our sevens are gone. A lot of them who started in last year's first round loss to Wales 
Amy Lee Murphy Crow, Stacy, Lucy Mulhall, Eve Higgins, uh, all unavailable because they're away with sevens. Um, understandably so, because they're vying for an Olympic place in their uh, World Series rankings. They're fifth at the minute. Um, but then we've also lost a number of experienced players. Katie O'Dwyer, Eve McDermott are two of my friends and teammates and who I've played with at international level who weren't in a position to take contracts and continue on. And I just think that's a trick miss because they're hugely experienced both on and off the pitch to help younger players transition in and build on the tour to Japan and last year. Um, and then selections were were strange. And I thought, to be honest, I'm not going to take away from Wales. I thought you could really see their their 12 months and what they've done with their professional contracts. They've over nine of them playing with Gloucester. So they're full-time professional in a really world-class league. Um, they had great variation of tries. They had a bonus point wrapped up within 30 minutes. So it's really complex, to be honest. You know, we could talk with the next hour. I will not, Pat, OK? <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I thought some of the selections, I thought Sai McGrath, she's one for the future. She's absolutely exceptional. I thought she did, she held herself well. But, you know, at times I'm looking at her rounded back. I've been there, as Lou said, and when you're under pressure in the scrum, it's, it's never a nice day. And yet you've Catherine Boogie in the squad who's, Playing with Gloucester, hugely experienced. Um, and as I said, those players who weren't even available for selection, like, you know, last year we would have started with Linda at loose, Katie at tight and and then Neve Jones's. And that's a world-class front row. And we just didn't have that this year, but we didn't match their physicality. We weren't winning collision. We weren't getting game lines, so we're not getting any ball. We're not putting phases together. It just, second half was good, but if I'm honest, I probably think Wales let us off. Um, and I would have liked to have for them to put more on us, not to punish Ireland, but to actually showcase what can be done when investment is made mm. to women's squad. And I suppose Wales rugby has, Welsh rugby has been through the mill right now, has been really under a lot of poor media. And I suppose it's, it was a nice day for them outside of obviously being a ridiculously loyal Irish fan who wants the girls to do well. But for them, it was nice to see Wales rugby, Welsh rugby being showcasing exactly what they can do. So, a sad day. And as I said, I, I'm sending a lot of love and support to the girls. Mm. I don't think it was anything to do with their want or desire. I think there was maybe some poor choices and poor preparation. And and there's a pressure to make that W15. And I think that's unfair pressure, you know, because you do want to blood the likes of Sive and Nevo Dowd. And Derv Nickvard was exceptional when she came on. Um, I thought Hannah O'Connor did well when she came on. Um, I thought uh, Dana O'Brien was exceptional when she came on. So we've some really positive lights there, um, but I just don't think we were ready. We haven't, we haven't prepared well with the pressure of the World 15. So just to explain to people, we have a new competition. We have three tiers. We'll be locked in for three years and it depends on where we finish in this championship. So if we finish in the top three, we're in tier one. I think it's fourth and fifth is tier two. And then whoever comes last will be in tier three. Um, so you're locked in for three years. We need to, at a minimum, be at tier two to really reap the rewards of really high quality test matches. And that's going to facilitate our trajectory and preparation for World Cup. And I think the World Cup will be based on the rankings of the World 15, this new competition. So, as I said, all I can say is it's complex. So where they finish in the Six Nations this year... We'll lock them into that new... three years, what tier they're going to be three years. What? Yeah. No way. It's been and that's season. where the unfair pressure is. So you want to blood new players and it doesn't really matter then where you are in a championship really. Yeah. Do you know? Because you, you want to see small incremental changes over that championship to, to know where you are. You're always goal setting then week by week and game by game. 
But unfortunately, we're under this pressure now to finish in the top three, we would hope. And if not, we really want fourth. But like looking at Twitter before the game, a lot of um, outside people and media in England and around, yeah, Europe had us as actually bottom below Scotland, which I'm surprised at considering they're missing so many uh, high class players. Uh, Emma Wassell, uh, Sarah Bonner's out. Mm. Um, Rona Lloyd was away with sevens. So we did, you know, and they got absolutely trounced by England 58-7 so say for argument's sake if Ireland are in tier 3 after finishing below 4th this year but end up winning the Six Nations next year they're still going to be in tier 3 still in tier 3 that is a mad system and, but then, <laughs> how do you expect to win a championship if you're in tier 3 against yeah. without being disrespectful but really really transitionary teams who are in that pool and probably only getting into international 15s you know what I mean yeah. so how do you expect to win a championship if you're playing against really inexperienced opposition and this is where we need like yes to experience yes we've talented skillful players but how do we facilitate their development if we're not getting high class test matches and you could really see like two Pilatu whose cousins of the Vunapolis was exceptional at tie heads for Wales like she's 19 but she was on the back of a World Cup you're away in the World Cup for six weeks you get that culture building and that team building and you're just immersing yourself in a bubble we could not match that. Every other team in the Six Nations other than us was at the Women's World Cup in New Zealand and I think they will, these were all the points pre this championship that they were all going to go against Ireland mm. um, and unfortunately it looked like in round one and hopefully I'm wrong going through the championship but we're really starting on the back foot now. Yeah and it's not an easy game up next with France at Musgrave Park uh, which is going to be a big game France are class. Jason, you're a rugby fan. What what do you think needs to be done? Or I don't know if you're watching the women's rugby at all, but do, what do you feel? Do you think they need more love and more experience and, and full-time contracts? Or what do you think the issue is? Yeah, all of that. I think it needs all the support uh, it can possibly get. Um, I'd say, look, just to be on, on the, you know, try and be optimistic at least, you know, like just glass half full. Like, I think we're kind of, we're kind of around, floating around rock bottom here at this point, um, which is a, it's not a, such a bad thing, really. Um, we didn't make it to the World Cup, and it's clear that the other teams have moved on, and we haven't. And even though we've had a coaching change, and even though we've introduced these contracts, it's just not enough time's gone by to see any of those changes just yet, yeah. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think this is going to be a really tough tournament for the women. I really do. Um, I think um, I think maybe, dare I say it, but like I think one or two wins would be good. You know, I think we need to look at beating Scotland and Italy. And um, and I think if they can do that, maybe we can build something off the back of that, you know. Mm. And uh, and moving forward, only get better. Because there is only one way to go, and that way is up. And I think that's that's maybe the attitude we should have here. Um, I think there are other teams there who, you know, um, I don't think, you know, England's time at the very top won't last forever, you know. And same with New Zealand. They're they're ahead of everybody, but everybody's going to slowly come up to meet their level. And it's just a matter of time. So I think we just have to be patient with the Irish women's team, with the Irish women's setup, the whole contract system, even that tiering system, which I hadn't heard about, which is, I don't think tiering's a good idea anyway, but like, um, that's mad. I, and, and you're right, like, what if we could win it next year and still be in tier three? Like, it's, it's, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. But... But I think the good news is the only way is up. So um, I think the best thing to do is just get behind the women's game and just give it all the support and, and love it. And, and like 
chart this progress because it starts here, you know? Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, my heart goes out to the girls because I feel like they're bringing a really good attitude. I know some of them and they they want to perform for Ireland, but I just don't feel like they're giving what they need to make that happen. You know what I mean? And even Greg Williams seems to be getting frustrated. He said the elephant in the room was the sevens players missing, which is obviously a big issue that they need to deal with, but they seem to now decided to separate the women's sevens and the 15s and they're not mixing them anymore. Is that what's happening? In yeah, um, because obviously the the focus now for the sevens is that Olympic cycle and not having to go through a qualification, which they missed out on the last uh, cycle, which you guys made and did us yeah. so proud. So um, this was always the argument. This is the historic argument that the calendars don't align for us to facilitate both the athletes that are, you know, dual athletes for both sevens and fifteens. Um, and again, it's it's complex. So you've really talented and um, it is about positivity. And we were, we're saying the same point, unfortunately, it's time that we probably don't have right now to to allow the development of both programs. And I think we've enough skillful athletes and we've enough skillful backroom staff and, and the union have so much money. And we've we've seen that with the lads, you know, the sevens, the twenties, the senior men's. And Greg McWilliams has said that it's very hard to start a competition when off the back of su success the, the week before where you've doubled the Grand Slam winning. But um, this has been an, an issue for us that some of our more talented athletes play sevens and we haven't given the love and deepened the pool for 15s. We have done that now. Um, I'm so excited to see some of the talent we've unearthed. They just haven't had enough test games. They haven't had enough time. And just to quickly, before we finish, to build on your point, tonight we start uh, our soccer campaign against France. Own, uh, a story was in the paper, read yesterday, own hand, asking the Irish public and all 53 plus of them really played in a win in 1981. One of the few we've gotten in a 3-2 win, if I'm not mistaken, Pat, you might remember. Um, Frank Stapleton scored. So, I'm asking the same thing of the Irish public this Saturday. Get to Musgrave Park, quarter past two, get behind these girls. They absolutely deserve it. France don't travel well. We will need an extra man. And that, you know, what a great place in Musgrave Park, the home of one of the other homes of Munster Rugby. And I want us to get behind the girls because they do deserve it. Their endeavour, their love for that jersey. They wouldn't have wanted to go out for anything other than to make themselves and their family proud. And I am ridiculously proud of them. We always will be. Um, but we just need time and patience and they need a lot, a lot of love right now and um, I hope they get it on Saturday. Yeah, completely agree with you. They do need the love and care and they need the support because they're trying their best. So everyone get behind them, lads. Get down to Musgars if you can and uh, hopefully we can get a good performance against France and yeah. go forward. Okay. I think so. Time for our Never Stop Competing Moment of the Week together with Bank of Ireland. We're giving it to Steph Evans uh, who scored a great try for Scarlets against Sharks. Showed some real value going full out for a kick chase. Um, you know from rugby lads some ring wingers well I know you both were forwards we just be chasing balls <laughs> yeah, yeah sorry we were just watching you were we just watching wingers just chase balls <laughs> and chase <laughs> balls and yeah you might chase a hundred balls you might yeah. get to one of them but eventually you do get that beautiful try Steph and we're giving it to you Mr Steph Evans for Scarlett you got our never stop competing moment of the week together at Bank of Ireland and unfortunately that's it for the podcast lads Lindsay, thank you so much always for your insight. No, thank you. Yeah. Great great to have us back. Great to be back. Great to be back. Mr. Jason Amara, you are a talented man, both in the active field and in the rugby field. Your knowledge has really impressed that. me. Oh, you are uh, very much welcome back here. Yeah, yeah, thank you. This is great. I really had a great time. Thanks so no, much. Thanks for coming. Coming. We love having you. As well. I hope you cut out all the stuff that didn't make sense. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, that would be nothing then because it all made sense. So fair play. <laughs> yeah. And what's uh, next on the agenda for you? Are you staying around Dublin for a while or back to America? Back to LA on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And I'll get back to my uh, tip rugby on the beach on Sundays. 
yeah, so I'll be looking forward to a bit of decent weather. Apparently, the whole time I've been gone the last month, it's been really bad, like almost worse in LA than it has been in Dublin. So no that's saying something. So uh, I'm hoping the We'll have a little sunshine now this week. Well, you've added sunshine to our morning. So ah, very much. beautiful. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> so much, Jason. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. And thank you at home for listening and watching as always. And also a massive thank you to Bank of Ireland, our partners and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week, guys, for the Champions Cup. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.